sqpn.com presents The Secrets of Angels and Demons. The path of illumination is a hidden trail through Rome itself that leads to the Church of the Illumination, the place where the Illuminati would meet in secret. If I can find the senyo, the sign of that path, the four churches along it may be where he intends to murder your cardinals. One every hour at 8, 9, 10, and 11, then the device explodes at midnight. But if we can get there before he does, maybe we can stop. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Secrets of Angels and Demons. I am Father Roderick, and I'm here in Rome. To be more precise, I am standing here at the foot of the Chiesa di Santa Maria della Vittoria, the Church of uh, Holy Mary of Victory. And this is the site of the third murder, perhaps the most gruesome one in the, in, uh, the story of angels and demons. It is also the church that is symbolizing the element of fire. Um, after we've seen the element of earth being connected to the church on the Piazza del Popolo. And um, what was the other one? Of course, uh, the, the element of wind on St. Peter's Square and then this church is associated again by Robert Langdon in the story by Dan Brown. There are no real, you know, there's not a real foundation for that in, in history, but it is, is linked to the element of fire. And um, it is evening now. Um, it was a, a very, very long walk. I have to say that it was quite hard to find this church, um, especially since I didn't have a, a very accurate map. And this church is not listed in all the tourist guides, so I had to look around quite a bit to find it. And it's on top of one of the hills. It's not far from Central Station, um, but somehow I, I, I missed it the first time I walked by. And then I looked around everywhere, just couldn't find it and had to retrace my steps until I finally found this church. Now, since it's evening, uh, this is almost the same time of the day uh, when uh, Langdon actually uh, storms into this church accompanied by police um, in in the movie Angels and Demons but since it's evening the church is now closed and um, I will not do what uh, <laughs> what what Langdon does in the movie and that is just break in and just hit the door and uh, of course I'm not accompanied by police so uh, I think that would be a very bad idea however I can tell you a lot about this church and about the famous Bernini artwork that you can find inside. Actually, this church contains perhaps one of the most or the most famous statue by Bernini. But let me first tell you something about the church itself. Here is uh, some information on the outside of the church on the left-hand side of the church. And it says, the church of Santa Maria della Vittoria stands in the former Via Pia. This is now called the Via uh, 20 Settembre. So the road of the 20th of September. Its name, the name of the Santa Maria della Vittoria, comes from an image of the Madonna found among the remains of the Castella, Castello di Pilsen, thought to have determined the victory of Ferdinand II of Habsburg over the Lutherans of Frederick of Saxony in 1620. The church was built in the early 17th century after the barefoot Carmelites had settled where the ancient hermitage had stood. The church was commissioned by Cardinal Scipione Borghese, who appointed Carlo Maderno to design it. And again, this is all in the, in the first half of the 17th century. Um, I will just 
you know, spare you the details of the whole construction and the architecture of the church. Uh, that's way too much detail. But the link to the um, to these barefoot Carmelites is very, very important because that uh, has determined um, the statue made by Bernini. Now, this church uh, contains uh, the most exceptional examples of 17th century Roman art. Um, and uh, the highlight, of course, is this statue by Bernini. Let me read what is written about that here. Um, it is in the transformation of the Carnaro, Cornaro Chapel in the left transept of this Carmelite church that one of the most exceptional examples of the 17th century Roman art is to be acknowledged. Though fully respecting Maderno's architectural scheme, Maderno being the architect of the church, Bernini introduced a new compositional concept here that enhanced the theme's religious meaning. This monument in honor of Saint Teresa, Saint Teresa of Avila, is one of the biggest reformers of the Carmelites, um, was also a commemoration of the family who commissioned it. And though its members were not actually buried here, it made a perfect family memorial. Bernini portrayed cardinals and doges from the Cornaro family in high relief on the walls. Ooh, that's a noisy, <laughs> noisy motorino here. Um, so uh, he portrayed cardinals and doges from the family in high relief on the walls in arrested action as they lean out from window balconies to watch the mystical event taking place at the altar. Now what is depicted there at the altar? In an oval niche, Bernini created a marble sculpture of the ecstasy of Saint Teresa. This episode was narrated by the saint in her autobiography and tells how a cherub, not just an angel but a cherub, which is a, an angel high up in the hierarchy of angels, appeared to her and stabbed her in the heart again and again with a flaming arrow. This symbolized a true union with God, a mystical union with God. What was absolutely unprecedented in the Cornaro Chapel was the visual blending of architecture, sculpture and painting all in one. Bernini in fact designed the project, the sculptures and the frescoes as well for the ceiling and the little altar. Citizens painters helped with the execution. The small chapel is also lined with fine marble and stuccos, the whole conceived of by this great uh, Neapolitan master in an impressively dramatic, almost theatrical interpretation. It's funny they say that, theatrical interpretation, because Bernini um, had a lot of affinity with theater and he loved to design um, sets for theaters and, and, and he, he actually was quite um, versed in special effects, in theatrical special effects. So um, the depiction of St. Teresa in this church um, has a, a lot of the, the theatrical knowledge of, of Bernini um, incorporated in, in the way she is depicted there. Now, how does Dan Brown incorporate the story of this statue of the ecstasy of St. Teresa in his story about angels and demons? Well, as we are now accustomed to, um, Dan Brown includes a number of details that are all fictional and incorrect. He, um, he first says that the original location of this statue of St. Teresa was inside the Vatican. It was actually made to be inside the Vatican. That is absolutely not true. Nor is it true that um, 
the, uh, the depiction of the ecstatic saint in the company of her angel was too sexually implicit of, for the Vatican. Um, and, and this kind of uh, is, 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 uh, refers to um, uh, some of the, you know, the art critics that say about this statue that the ecstasy, this mystical union experienced by uh, St. Teresa of Avila in her, in her visions, um, is depicted by Bernini almost as um, sexual ecstasy. And so, um, you know, she's leaning back, she's stabbed in the heart, and she's, she's, you know, has this glaze in her eyes, and she's, she's half conscious, her mouth is half open. And uh, according to some art critics, uh, you know, Bernini just used uh, the mystical uh, union as a, some sort of a metaphor for something much more physical and corporal. Well, that is a interpretation by, uh, by art critics. It's definitely not what was meant um, by, the, uh, by, by the people who ordered this, this statue to be made, of course. And, um, and it's quite a superficial interpretation of, of something much deeper. And if you've read the writings of, of St. Teresa of Avila, I can highly recommend it. It is, uh, you know, among the, the most classic uh, writings in, um, in, in, in Catholic mysticism. Uh, you know, Teresa of Avila is, is all about this, this raptured state of, of union with God, these visions, this being taken out of this world and, and this, this total submission to, to God's love. And um, the whole experience was both uh, ravishing and, and beautiful and full of love and also extremely painful um, perhaps referring to the kind of the purging that happens the closer you get to God the more it hurts because you realize how how little you are in front of God and how much there is still to purify hence probably uh, the reference to pain in that same ecstasy now so according to to Dan Brown um, the some people in the Vatican thought that the you know, the, the statue was way too exuberant, way too sensual. And so, according to him, again, um, the uh, Pope Urban VIII had banished the sculpture to this obscure chapel across town, being, of course, this chapel of St. Mary uh, of Victory. Um, the problem is that um, Urban VIII died in 1644. However, the ecstasy of St. Teresa was begun in 1646, two years after the death of Urban uh, VIII. And finally, uh, it is quite unlikely that uh, our, our Professor Langdon only has vague famil familiarity with the statue. Um, it is actually one of the most popular works of art and it is featured in nearly every introduction, introductory college course in art. So if he is uh, indeed that uh, uh, very uh, famous, internationally well-known symbologist and art, art uh, uh, expert, then of course he must have more than just a little bit of familiarity with this statue. Now the, the ecstasy of St. Teresa was commissioned by a retired cardinal from Venice, Federico Cornaro, in 1647, during the reign of Pope Innocent X commemorate the famous Spanish nun. A mystic who claims, whose claims of vision were corroborated through extensive investigations, Teresa became a heroine of the 
discalced Carmelites and their nunnery in Rome. She often had visions of angels, uh, she saw Jesus in her visions, and even the soul of God uh, himself. And so uh, those, those experiences were a mixture of sweetness and pain so intense that one cannot possibly wish it to cease, according to uh, St. Teresa herself. So Bernini shows her in the presence of an angel uh, who gently lifts her garments to plunge a fiery arrow into her heart. So this, the fire of this arrow, of course, is, is why uh, Dan Brown links this church to the symbol of fire. However, it, 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 this is all about, of course, the fire of the Holy Spirit, the fire of God's love that pierces the heart of uh, the person who is, uh, who is taken up in, 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 this, uh, in this ecstasy, in this vision of God. And so, um, it is a very impressive uh, ensemble, very, very famous. Uh, if you want to see pictures, very easy, just Google it. Uh, the Ecstasy of St. Teresa of Avila. You will see uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of, of images of uh, this very famous uh, statue. Also, what is very well known about this, the, the whole situation in the church is the, the way uh, Bernini used natural light to enhance the statue and bring it to life. May God forgive you for what you've done. Father of God has issues. They won't be with what we've done. They'll be with what we're about to do. Of course, uh, now that it's dark, and also in the in the movie, it's the same thing. It's uh, you know, uh, you see the church in in, in the evening. Um, you don't you don't see the statue uh, in all its glory. Instead, what you see is this horrible, horrible execution of this cardinal, who is suspended uh, with two chains above a fire. And uh, when Langdon tries to save him by untangling one of the chains, um, the the bad guy, the assassin, is still there, and he sh he starts uh, executing the police officers that accompanied Robert Langdon one by one and uh, in the end Langdon almost gets gets killed himself. So um, very uh, horrific scene again uh, you can clearly understand why uh, the owners of this church didn't want the filmmakers to film that uh, that execution uh, that barbecue of, the, of this third cardinal here in the church so that brings the count uh, of dead cardinals and especially according to the story these were cardinals that were all papabile that were all very well suited for the office of, uh, of um, the papacy that brings the count to three there's only one cardinal left alive and Robert Langdon has to figure out where he can find this cardinal and again he looks at the statue and at the angel that is depicted here by Bernini to find a clue as to in which direction he has to pursue his quest. And uh, the angel points in the direction of uh, a totally different location in, um, in Rome and uh, through a little bit of uh, puzzling he figures out that he must go to uh, uh, the very famous um, fountain of the, of the streams um, on Piazza Navona and uh, and so they rush to that fountain 
And that is what we're going to do as well. We're going to rush down the hill uh, to this beautiful piazza. And I will tell you a little bit more about, uh, about the, the fountain that you find there. And that is also um, a very spectacular set piece in the movie Angels and Demons. Let me see if there's anything else that I can uh, tell you about this church before, uh, before we leave. Um, well, perhaps something about the general meaning of angels. Uh, of course, angels feature heavily in Baroque art and in paintings and especially here in Rome, you know, there's no church without angels. Angels in, uh, in Bible stories are the messengers of God. They are um, spiritual creatures. They don't have a, a body. They're pure spirits in, in Catholic theology. And uh, they are created, just like we are created, uh, mankind, with a will and an intellect. So they can think. And they can actually make decisions. They have free will. However, the difference with us is that angels, being pure spirits, are not subject to time as we are in our corporal bodies. And so angels, their decisions, their, uh, their, whatever they decide in their free will uh, happens immediately and is, is, is definite. It cannot change. Like we, we could change our opinion over time because you know, we learn from our mistakes. Angels, they choose either for God or against God. And so the demons, the devil, is basically a fallen angel so the demon is not a separate entity, a separate creature. It's not that God has created demons as such. God has only created good creatures uh, because God is love and everything that he, that he creates reflects this, this goodness of God. And so everything that he created at first was good. And he created the, the, the angels and mankind with a free will, well aware of the risk that we could misuse that free will to choose against him. However, why should we? Because God is love and he loves us so much and he wants to help us. So why would we ever turn away from God? Well, as we know, history has shown that uh, uh, indeed uh, th this uh, abuse of our free will happens all the time. And it happened also in the realm of these spiritual beings, of these angels, even though they were created to be servants of God, to worship him, to adore him and to help him carry out his plan. So when God wants to interact with mankind, he sends his angels as messengers uh, to, uh, to warn people or to help them or to protect them. So they are created to help God, to assist God. Um, they could also choose to reject God and that is what Satan or Lucifer has done. Um, Lucifer literally meaning the carrier of light he turned away from God. He decided to refuse the love of God. And um, since his decision was final and forever, um, he became what we now call Satan. And uh, he wasn't the only angel uh, that fell. There were many other angels that followed him. And that is what we call in Catholic theology demons. And so angels and demons are basically the same creatures. However, they have made a radical different choice which has determined the, the, the rest of their existence for eternity. And so the demons are also always trying to, to make accomplices, uh, to, to lure people into also uh, abusing their freedom of choice to choose against God, to run away from God. And that is what is um, symbolized in the story of, uh, of Genesis, of the creation of Adam and Eve 
at one point they are seduced by the snake and the snake is used in the story as you know symbolizing this creature the spiritual creature satan who tells them that you know it's not such a bad idea to turn against god and make your own decisions and be like god and why respect his laws and and that is where everything goes haywire and <laughs> man, man uh, you know adam and eve choose against God, reject God, and have to suffer the consequences. Because every choice against God means that wherever God is absent, hell begins and suffering begins. And that is why this first choice of mankind against God sends these shockwaves through history and through creation. So that everything is more or less affected by, by this negative choice. And that is also the reason of... Um, what we call the plan of salvation where you know God didn't give up and he wanted to bring people back into his love and send prophets and lots of messengers and nothing helped and every time even though there were some moments of you know of, uh, of conversion every time it seemed as if mankind sunk even deeper into uh, this rejection of, of God's love until God sent his only son Jesus Christ both God, God's Son, fully God, and also fully man, fully human. And in name of all mankind, he made the definitive choice for God by giving his life on the cross, by handing it over to his Father. You know, in your hands I command my spirit. Um, words that are also used in the context of angels and demons during the um, suicide of uh, the Camerlengo, of Patrick, towards the end. Although when he says, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit, it is quite unclear whether he talks about God or whether he talks about his father, his real father, being the Pope. Um, anyway, there's that, that um, uh, very deliberate ambiguity, I think, there. But the core of the Christian message is that um, even though these spiritual beings, the angels, some of them have, have chosen to reject God even though they have lured so many men, so many people on earth and in history uh, to do the same and to follow them in their choice against God. God has never given up. He has sent Jesus to uh, save mankind from that no against God and, um, and, and Jesus you know, said yes and invites us all to join him in his in his acceptance of God's, God's love. And that is how we are saved. And so um, the saints in the church, like Saint Teresa of Avila, um, show us examples. That is why they are venerated in the Catholic Church. Show us what can happen if you actually do that. If you try to, to answer uh, positively to that invitation of God, um, then you know sometimes you see in their lives the effects of that yes and the ecstasy of Saint Teresa of Avila is kind of like a almost a, a, a sneak peek at what we the way we will feel in heaven when we will be completely swept off our feet by the this this immensity of God's love that that is so beyond anything we can imagine and everything we 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 can experience here on earth in terms of happiness and joy is just a very very weak reflection of of the happiness and joy that are awaiting us in heaven and so, um, uh, you know, St. Teresa's ecstasy is a little glimpse of what we all hopefully will experience when we uh, will be taken up by God in heaven and when we uh, will be there, uh, you know, enjoying his love for eternity. 
I think that um, more or less sums it up for this church of Santa Maria uh, della Vittoria. And, um, well, next stop is going to be Piazza Navona, uh, the beautiful fountain uh, constructed there uh, and, uh, and created there by Bernini. And the place of the fourth drama with the last remaining cardinal. Will Langdon be able to save this final cardinal or will he be too late? Let's head over there and find out. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Secrets of Angels and Demons. If you like this show, I would invite you to leave a review on iTunes. Just a few words uh, to, uh, to help other people find this show, uh, this series. And uh, you can also rate the podcast. I hope you will do that uh, positively, favorably. And uh, if you want to find out more about this show, if you want to download previous episodes, or if you want to find out more information about the topics that I talk about in these episodes, head over to the website of the StarQuest Production Network at www.sqpn.com. And uh, that's also the place where you can leave your comments on the blog there. From Rome, I am Father Roderick. It is evening now. Rome is beautifully lit. Uh, it's a wonderful city. The weather is beautiful. What more can we want? I hope to see you next time here in Rome. Um, and uh, thanks for listening to this episode. Tell your friends and family about this show. And take care. God bless. SQPN. Leading the way in Catholic new media.